Exodus 18, beginning at verse 13. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people, so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws, and show them the way in which they must walk, and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place, place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. Let's pray. Father, we are hungry for your word. Open our ears to hear it. Plow up our hearts that it might sink down as good seed and good soil and bear fruit a hundredfold in our lives. Help us to listen to the advice of Jethro. We praise you for your word and ask that you would free us from distractions while we hear it. Help me to speak boldly and accurately what's in this text. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Last week we saw the humility of Jethro. Jethro comes, admits, my whole life as a Midianite priest has been wrong. I need to follow Yahweh. This week we see the humility of Moses. Moses hears from his father-in-law, yeah, you led the people out of Egypt, but you're not leading them right anymore. You need to change your methods. And Moses has the humility to listen. Now, as you can see, the title, Moses Learned to Delegate, it's easy to, to take that as, well, here's the principle for life. Exodus 18 says, learn to delegate. And I could preach a whole sermon on delegating. And then afterwards, I could come to each one of you and assign you some job in the church that I currently do. And I could practice what I preach. Is that why this chapter, this half of Exodus 18 is here? Moses wanted to tell us the book of the knowledge of God. Who is the Lord? asked Pharaoh. And God shows Pharaoh who he is with ten plagues and the exodus and the Red Sea crossing and the song of the sea 
and provision of water and manna in the wilderness. And then we get here to the foot of Mount Sinai. And God says, by the way, people, readers, you all need to learn to delegate. Just going to throw that out there. Okay, back to the main story, chapter 19. Here's the giving of the law. Right, That's not why that's here. It's great to learn to delegate. That's the lesson Moses needed to learn in the text. But the reason the story is here is because of what's coming next, which is coming to Mount Sinai, hearing the law of God, and building the tabernacle of God, and then figuring out how to run the tabernacle. So, hearing the law, that's chapters 20 through 24. Building the tabernacle, that's Exodus 25 to 40. And then running the tabernacle once it's built, that's the entire book of Leviticus and the first 10 chapters of Numbers. So we're about to get a whole year at the foot of Sinai, hearing from God. People are camped there, and we're going to talk about what they learn over the next half of Exodus. But before the people can hear that, they have to hear something else. They have to hear, really they have to change from a mob that has one elevated figure, one all-powerful guy named Moses, and they have to become instead a fully organized society with judges and leaders at every level. Otherwise, the implication of the text is they are not able to hear the word of God. A leaderless mob, or rather a mob that relies entirely and exclusively on one man to do everything, is a group, a society, that is not fit to hear the word of God. They can't even get their disputes settled. They can't keep the laws that they have here in Exodus 18. What's the point in giving them an entire year's worth of additional laws? There's no point in it, which is why God, through Jethro, says, change the way you're doing things so that you can have an orderly society where you can keep the laws that you have. And then we'll see about adding additional laws. So that's the point. The reason this story is here is that you can't know God, you can't obey God in an unstructured, disorderly society. If you are not even at the place where you can get a decision on whether, you know, I think I should refund this bag of, I think you should refund me 20 bucks for the bag of feed, and the store says, no, you purchased that for 850. We can't settle this issue. How are you going to settle anything more important in your life? That's why this is here. The knowledge of God demands a structured, ordered society. That's Moses' point in telling us this story. Well, let's look at this story in a little more detail. Moses' problem, verse 13. Moses spends an afternoon and an evening catching up with his father-in-law and his wife. And then the next day, Moses says, yeah, family visit, I can't afford to take any more time off. I got to get back to work, people. And so Jethro is wandering around the camp without a lot to do, and he sees that apparently the main event of the day is that everyone comes out of their tent and stands in front of Moses. All 
day long. Jethro's thinking, oh, we'll have lunch together. Lunch comes and goes, and the crowd is no smaller. Dinner comes and goes, and the crowd is no smaller. The moon is out. Jethro is out, pacing around the perimeter of the camp. Finally, Moses turns in for the night at 11.30, and Jethro says to him, what's the deal? You are clearly trying to do too much. You can't answer every question that two million people have. You just can't. The people's time is being wasted. Your time is being wasted. And Moses says, "Ah, there's no other choice. The people are coming to me. What am I supposed to do, right? Tell them there is no answer. Go away. There's no justice for you in this camp. So Moses, beaten down by the tyranny of the urgent, says, I judge between one and another. I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So God gives his solution through this seemingly unlikely mouthpiece, Jethro the Gentile. Jethro says, Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Jethro is about to give his in-law some advice. We all know how hazardous this is. Say, okay, in-law, let me give you a little bit of advice. And when your in-law happens to be the acknowledged supreme dictator of two million people who just fed them and watered them in the desert and brought them out from under Pharaoh, you probably approach this conversation with a little fear and trembling. But Jethro puts it out there. right? He says, I was humble yesterday. I admitted that your God is the true God. Moses, you're going to be humble tonight. Here's the deal. Now, who is Jethro? Remember, he's a Gentile. He's a Midianite priest. He's a convert. He's what we would call a baby Christian. He hasn't been around for a long time proving himself. He isn't one of the elders of Israel. He isn't a long-time crony of Moses. You know, He's not Aaron, Moses' big brother, coming to him and saying, I think the Lord wants this. It's not Moses' mom or dad, who might have still been alive at this time. He is a very recent ex-pagan. And the thing that he gives, he doesn't say, God tells me this. He says, I will give you advice, and God will be with you. And he says then on the next page, uh, verse 23, if you do this thing and God so commands you, He doesn't claim that he's getting this from the Lord. This is my idea, Moses. I'm coming up with this. I think if you check with God, you'll find that it's a good idea. But it's my idea. And he's upfront about that. In other words, Jethro says people need natural revelation. Human moral intuition. I can look at this situation and I can tell you without chapter and verse, without a word from the Lord, here's how to improve things. Create an entire bureaucracy of 78,600 commissioned magistrates and turn them loose. That's what the rabbis have calculated, as I mentioned a couple of days ago or two weeks ago, that if you had rulers of tens, rulers of hundreds, etc., that's 78,600 officials. 
created overnight in a camp that the day before had had exactly one official. So Jethro says, do it. You can erect a system that will handle this stuff. Now, and he starts with the positive. Here's the content of the solution. Keep Moses as the mediator. Verse 19. Stand before God for the people. Right. Moses, here's something only you can do. You represent this entire people to God. So you make sure you keep doing that. You go and stand before God. You go up Sinai and you talk to God about everybody. That's your job, Moses. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. Now this is hard for us to wrap our minds around. But in that day, the reason they all came to Moses was that Moses had a direct line. And if you say the feed store ripped you off, and the feed store says they didn't rip you off, you can actually get God's final verdict on the matter. You just go down to the local prophet, who of course in the Israelite camp is Moses, and you say, so who's right, Moses? And Moses says, Yahweh, who is it? And God says, Joe Israelite is lying, the feed store is telling the truth. There's no appeal, there's no fact-finding commissions, there's no submission of evidence, there's no juries, there's... Now, we have a hard time believing that God would do such a thing. In our experience, that's not how God behaves. But in this antique era, the, the evidence that we have from the ancient world is pretty clear that people of all stripes, from all kinds of cultures, believe that they could get answers from God. And that they frequently did. Now, I understand this as the immaturity, the babyhood of the human race. That at that time, God was a lot more forthcoming with answers to questions like, who's lying in this dispute over the price of feed? And so he would tell those answers to Moses. And Moses could relay them to the people, which is why everyone in camp who had any problem would come crowding to him because he was the infallible voice of God. And as God... As the human race has matured, as we've mapped our planet, as we've started to track things over hundreds of years and keep records and understand more of the world around us and our place in it, we can now judge and decide a lot of these things for ourselves. We don't need a direct answer from the Almighty to settle these things. We can go gather evidence and we can collect testimony and we can review the surveillance footage and we can figure out who's telling the truth and who's lying and make more just decisions in a way that was not possible in the babyhood of the human race. Now, I don't know whether that's true, that's my opinion, but it seems pretty clear that here in the camp of Israel, anyone who had a dispute would come to Moses to settle it, and the reason they came was not because Moses was really good at settling disputes in himself, but because he would ask God who was right and God would tell him. And everyone knew that, and everyone agreed with that, and there's no arguing with the final words of the Almighty. So they came, and they listened to Moses. Jethro says, you can still bring the difficulties to God, the things that no one else can solve. 
You take those to God. And, Moses, here's the other thing you do. Teach them the statutes and the laws. Show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. In other words, Moses, give them a framework for their life. Tell them, here's how to live. Here's God's way of obedience. And here's your daily job. Here's the work you must do. Right? If everyone is standing around just asking you questions all day, that means they don't have enough to do. Put them to work, Moses. That's your job. And then Jethro says, now here's how you're going to make this happen. Delegate. Select from all the people, people with these qualifications, able men, such as fear God, men of integrity, hating covetousness. So people who can't be bribed, people whose integrity is well known, they have the aura, the ethos in their community to serve as judges. Take them and make rulers of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they'll bring to you. So in order to get to Moses, something has to go up from the ruler of ten to the ruler of a hundred, or to the ruler of fifty, to the ruler of a hundred, to the ruler of a thousand. Moses is the fifth appeal of a particular case. Now, that's going to winnow out a lot of Moses' business. Way, way the majority, right? Seemingly over 98, 99% of everything can be settled long before it reaches Moses. Jethro recommends this. Delegate the task of judging and it will be easier for you. They will bear the burden with you. Moses, you still cast the vision for the entire community. You still announce what the law of God is. You still say, here are the camp jobs. All of this has to be done every day. But create this bureaucracy. Give your society a backbone and a ribcage and some arms and hands and a mouth so that people are not getting up in the morning, wandering out of the tent and saying, what do I do today? Oh, I think I'll go ask Moses. So Jethro recommends this, and he adds, if you do it, this people will go to their place in peace. Now, of course, the question arises, did Moses do this? And the answer is yes. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1 describes how God, uh, how Moses implemented it. So if you go to Deuteronomy 1, verse 9, Moses says, I spoke to you at that time, saying, I alone am not able to bear you. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are, and bless you as he has promised you. So Moses recounts in Deuteronomy how he implemented this. He starts up and he gives this real positive speech. What a blessing. There's so many Israelites and you're going to multiply another thousand times. How can I alone bear your problems and your burdens and your complaints? Here's why we're having a camp-wide address today, people. I'm done. Choose wise, understanding, and knowledgeable men from among your tribes and I will make them heads over you. And you answered me and said, The thing which you have told us to do is good. 
So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and knowledgeable men, and made them heads over you, leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of tens, and officers for your tribes. <clears throat> then I commanded your judges at that time, saying, Hear the cases between your brethren and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the stranger who is with him. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great. You shall not be afraid in any man's presence, for the judgment is God's. The case that is too hard for you, bring it to me, and I will hear it. And I commanded you at that time all the things which you should do. Moses says, I listened to Jethro. He doesn't mention Jethro in Deuteronomy 1. But he says, I created these 78,600 officials. Of course, Moses didn't hand-select them all. He told the tribes, you locally pick Pick your leaders, and I will anoint them. Give them the imprimatur and send them out. And they will run this camp on a daily basis. So, the solution worked. People were able to go to their place in peace, as Jethro promised. What's the lesson here? Well, the lesson for Moses, as I said, is a lesson of humility. Learn to delegate. Stop thinking... Oh man, this camp will fall apart unless I do everything. Not true. In fact, the camp is falling apart, Moses, because you can't do everything, as your father-in-law very perceptively noticed. But the lesson for us is that if we want to hear the Word of God, we have to have the order necessary to receive it. And also, the lesson that God has given us already, through general revelation, the knowledge of what good order means. God did not have to come down on Sinai and tell Moses, pick rulers of tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. That was totally unnecessary. You need God to come down on Sinai to give you the plans for the tabernacle. You're not going to come up with that yourself. But even a pagan who was born again yesterday and look at the camp of Israel and say, here's how this place could be whipped into shape. Here is how you could put a little bit of order into this society. God is the source of order. But he is the source of order typically through general revelation. He has given us a mind and wisdom. He's given us in-laws who can look at our family and say, I got a little advice for you. You could run this better. Moses had the humility to receive that, and so should we. So, how do we apply this? Well, if we think about the home, a home where people obey God has to be an orderly home. If you want your home to be a place of obedience to God, like the camp of Israel, it has to be a place where occupants know where they belong, what their tasks are, what the rules are, and they can get a decision quickly on something that's outside their purview. That's necessary for a godly home. If your home is chaos, if your home is, well, we can't decide anything without the final word from dad. And dad is at work 65 hours a week, so most of the time we don't decide anything. Well, that's chaos. That is the camp of Israel. 
well, we can't decide anything because Moses is on Sinai again, and I don't know when he's coming back. So, oh well, people, go do your own thing. That is an ungodly home. Even Jethro could see that. So this chapter is telling us, create order in your home. Teach them the statutes and the laws. Show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. And have somebody available, that a captain of ten, to make the immediate level decisions that the individual can handle. Secondly, in the state. Again, a state where people can obey God has to be an orderly state where people know their place their tasks, and their rules. A state in which, well, here's the government today, but there will probably be a coup and somebody else will be the government tomorrow, is a state where it's hard to obey God. Or a state where, well, today we favor these people. Tomorrow we favor the other people. Again, you're making it difficult to obey God. There's no order, there's no predictability. So Jethro looks at the camp of Israel and essentially says, these people are a stateless wreck. They don't have order. They have religion. They've got a church. They have no state. That has to change. What's the application here? Thank God for our bureaucrats. We all like to complain about bureaucrats. But they create the order in the state that allows us to say, I will get my tax return. If I send something into the IRS, it will probably come back. And it will probably come back in the right amount. It might take two or three tries. But it will most likely happen. That's an orderly society. Thank God for that. That is what Israel needed so that they could obey. And finally, in the church, again, we need order church with one overworked pastor trying to do everything is a church to which God tells God tells that pastor learn to delegate stop thinking that you and you alone will save all these people the church needs natural order so that it can hear God's word and obey it a church where there's backbiting infighting parties jockeying for status or position those churches are disorderly a church that is ready to hear the word of God and obey it, again, needs to look more like this in Exodus, where you know what you're supposed to do, and you are ready to do it. You're given the direction and the tools that you need, the order that you need, in order to obey God. So what's our mission? What do we do in light of this text, our job is to build the kind of society that's orderly enough to hear and absorb God's word. That's the takeaway. Not learn to delegate. Yeah, that's a good thing to learn. But the reason this is here is to tell us, one year at Sinai will do you no good unless you have made your life and your society orderly enough that you can actually absorb new laws and new teachings. If you can't even do the things that you already know because your life is so disorderly, you're not ready for the Ten Commandments. So what's more basic than the Ten Commandments? Being able to sit down 
with your clothes on, in an orderly fashion, and listen. We can see it physically. Imagine, if you would, if we turn loose all the five-year-olds next Sunday before worship, and we tell them to move every chair in the room. doesn't matter where you move it, just move it. Then everyone comes in and is ready to hear God's word. Some of the chairs are facing the back of the room. Most of them are up against the wall where you can't sit on them. Some of them are piled on each other in this crazy pyramid. Could we sit and hear the word of God in such a scenario? That is what Jethro is getting at. Create the order that allows you to obey the word of God. God has taken the trouble to speak to us. Let's use our brains to create the order we need to hear him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wisdom you gave to Jethro. That you didn't have to come down on Sinai and say, have all the people stand facing the mountains so they can hear. Father, we pray that you would help us to seek order in our homes, in our church, in our society, and that in that order we would be able to hear your word and heed your word. We pray against the forces of chaos and dissolution, especially those that threaten the home. Lord, we ask that you would work, that you would bring order in this society. We pray for men of integrity, men of truth who fear God and hate covetousness. And we ask that you would raise up men like that in this congregation, in this country, in this world, to create the order that's needed so that people can hear your word. We ask these things in the name of your beloved Son, our Lord, the Logos. Amen.